welcome to Wielding Legacy. My name is Laura Payne Stanley, and this is your weekly audio insight because the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. As I said, this is an audio insight, and it's one for high achievers, for visionaries, for empire builders, and for power couples. You see, I know that you are here, already creating an impact in your industry. You are here building a legacy for you and your family. And it drives you, it occupies your mind. But through my work as a trusted advisor to extraordinary entrepreneurs, I know you aren't yet reaching your greatest potential in your business, your performance, and in your relationships. Now, I'm known with my clients, I am one of their loudest cheerleaders, believing in them often before they do. And yet, you can't enroll me in your legacy limiting story. I'm your biggest empowering challenger as well as you create your ultimate legacy. So this audio insight is called Wielding Legacy because, as I said, the key to unlocking your future lies in legacies. It is coming to the end of the year, and that can mean that goal setting and vision boarding is one of those techniques that you completely embrace getting ready for the year ahead. And today, the real secret to vision boards. Now, vision boards, oh, I love you, I adore you, and I equally roll my eyes when I sometimes see this. So in today's episode, we're going to be covering why vision boards are great, why vision is misleading, the application of vision boards, and the missing ingredient. So let's dive right in. So why are vision boards so great as a method of achieving success? Well, the first thing is something a little thing, well, it's not, it's kind of a little bit thing, as is with all of our minds called the reticular activating system, or RAS for short. So our brain has this and this spans the brain stem. And the primary role of the RAS is in regulating arousal and sleep awake transitions. However, the ascending projections of the RAS, they actually facilitate the conscious perceptions of sensory stimuli. Now, let me move back to vision boards a minute. What that means that translates into is your RAS becomes how you translate or sift criteria that you see. And then the result is a perceived need to see or even respond to a sensory stimulus. So let me cut that down even further. When we put something in our vision board, it goes into our RAS, which acts like a sift. And when we're on social media, it's why we see certain things and why we discount other things. Think about it. Just take any social media that you choose to right now. We scroll. There is a reason you don't look at every piece of content that you see in immaculate detail and decide whether to continue reading it. We don't do that. We scroll. So there is something that happens and it is in our conscious minds normally that we stop. And if you're debating about this, go on Instagram next time, just do a scroll on the feed and just let your, your fingers do what they normally do. And at some point you will stop and you haven't made it a conscious choice to stop. That is probably your RAS kicking in. So your mind here is actually working for you. So in terms of vision boarding, your RAS is an amazing thing to use vision boarding for because you are helping your mind help you as such when you're not even doing something. So that's the first thing why vision boarding is great because we can help and fill our RAS. The second thing is something called value tagging. 
So within our minds, we value tag things that we deem important to us. This can be on a deep-seated values level, or it can be you know, something we're looking to achieve in business. Now, value tagging is similar to the RAS. However, RAS is based on an assumption that we have a level playing field on information access being available to us. So in essence, we see all the information and then we sift through it to see what we want. And that sift happens in our RIS. However, we all know that isn't true on social media because the algorithms, they define what you even see to begin with before you start your sift. When we do vision boarding, we are showing our minds things that should be value tagged as things, activities, people, impact, legacy, all these things that are valuable and important to us. So we're giving it an increased value tag in our minds. Now, the brilliant use of the value tagging here is that our mind will understand that if there is a void of information, that we are seeing information that has nothing in it that's value tagged. And this is the very phenomenon why people often fall out with a social media channel. They completely just fall out with it, don't love it anymore, don't want to be on it. And it's because the algorithm is showing them content that has nothing or very little of a value tagging perspective for them. So why would you want to be on there? Because your mind's heard what you value when you do vision boarding or goal setting. It's in your RAS system. And you now have this all this information and there is a void of information with things that are value tagged. So your mind will go, well, this isn't where we want to be. Let's go somewhere else. So it all sounds great so far. Vision boarding, tick, we love it. It's good for RIS, it's good for value tagging. So why did I mention about my eye rolling? There's two kind of areas. And by the way, hi, if we haven't met, I'm Laura, Laura Payne-Sally, LPS for short. And I'm known as the Velvet Hammer, meaning that I have a no BS approach to how I coach, always permission-based coaching. And my eye rolling here is because I see a lot of tactics and techniques that are done, but are done in a way that actually doesn't serve you. And that's what my eye rolling comes to for vision boardings. Because vision boardings or vision boards, how many you've got of them, there's two areas that are often completely missed. The creation of the vision that actually goes on the vision board, and then the application of the vision board post-creation. So it's not just about creating your vision board. It's not just all lovely arts and crafts. There's the other two sections and they are incredibly important. So first of all, let's talk about the first area, creating the, vi creating the vision, sorry, for the vision board. Now, as I said that, doesn't that kind of seem obvious? That if we are creating something on a, you know, memorializing this in a vision board, shouldn't it actually be something that we really want to create? Shouldn't we take some time here to work out what is the vision. And so here comes my first eye roll. It isn't about what pictures that you can find in a magazine. So it's not about getting this task done as quickly as possible. And the only pictures that you can find that even kind of vaguely represent what you're trying to achieve that you put on a board. It's not that. If that's the case and you've done this before or you haven't had success with vision boards, then my first piece of advice is take some more time. Spend some more time focusing on creating the vision for the vision board and then see what happens. So when we're creating the vision, what do we need to look out for? Well, is it your vision that you're creating on that board or is it the vision of others? 
What do I mean by that? Well, is it your vision or is it your parents' vision? Is it your partner's vision? Is it a cultural vision of what your life should be like? Is it an ancestral vision? And there are many other episodes in Wielding Legacy here where I've talked about ancestral wounds and the impact when we come to creating legacy of those past relationships, those past wounds and those past healings. So if you have done a vision board before, take a look back at them, even if it's just one, and ask yourself if everything that you put on that board, is it actually your dream? Is it actually your vision? Or have you borrowed it from somebody else? There is a huge amount of cultural cues as we grow up and family ties as we grow up of what our vision for our future should be. Now, I remember in one set of my grandparents, from when I was a child, I remember this, on one wall, there was a picture, including, um, it was a picture of, there was three men, one of which is my father, and their degrees. So there was like this wall and there was a degree in the photo underneath of them in their graduation gowns. And I remember seeing this, we used to look at it, you know, so when I talk about the RAS, this was in my RAS from when I was a child of how important going to university was and having a degree was. I'm telling you that because that's something so simple. But that was in my RAS system. Now, when that came to me going to university, it was almost like, a, you know, I should do. And again, if, by the way, if you notice, if you're saying should, shoulds often can be an, a really great indicator that it's not your vision, that it's somebody else, because we should be doing something. And it, that's what happened with me. I mean, I went to university. I had a wonderful time at university. I got my postgrad as well, but it's not about that. It's about the, how long was I using a different piece of information to form my present and my future. Now, what I said also, is it your vision? Another one I should say right now, is it your vision or is it your coach's vision? Ooh. Now, hello, fellow coaches out there. Um, what do we mean by this? What I mean is that your vision board needs to feel amazing to you. And it doesn't matter if your vision board is completely different than whoever you are working with on a coaching or mentoring or consultant point of view. It doesn't matter if your coach looks at your vision board and go, ooh, because it's not their vision board. It's yours, my friend. Do not let anybody that you've hired, whether it's a coach, mentor, consultant, family member, partner, don't let anybody put a judgment on your vision board that allows you to change it. Remember, it only needs to make sense to you. It doesn't matter if your vision board isn't Instagram worthy. And you know most of them shouldn't be because it doesn't need to mean anything to anybody else. It only has to mean something to you. Is your vision board, is it soul aligned or is it your ego mind? So when you're thinking about your vision, look at your board or look at the vision that you're thinking about for next year or beyond. Is it what your soul craves? Is there any societal pressure that's come through in what you are looking to create? Are you visioneering big or small? Now, I know 
as a master coach with thousands of hours of coaching um, with my private clients, group coaching programs, and many different other formats, the people talk about dreaming big. However, I have also seen people dreaming big and it's not their version of big. Can you feel the power of that? Because that's the truth here. Whether you are dreaming too big or too small, I'm not talking about fear. I'm not talking about fear at all here. What I'm talking about is, is it your vision or have you supersized your vision into something you don't want? Therefore, it is not soul aligned. Yes, 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 friend. That is what I'm talking about. And also when you're looking at creating your vision, is it your present day vision or is it an old vision that you won't let go of? So especially in the pandemic, things have changed for many people. And if you're an overachiever, hello there, uh, you may have vision boards and you may have not achieved things on your vision board. And the overachiever in you can't let it go. The overachiever in you says, no, I didn't achieve it. But you know what? Here's the beauty of a vision board. Reevaluate it. You are allowed to change, my friend. And I don't know if anyone's ever told you this. You're allowed to change during the year. So even if you create a division board at the start of the year, why are we reviewing them at the end of the next year? Because that assumes that you can only change on a calendar cycle. That's crazy to me. Okay. Look at your vision board. And if it doesn't serve you, if there are things on there that at one point you wanted with your whole heart and mind and body, and now you look at it and go, what the, then remove it. Now, as a, I'm also a master hypnotherapist, so I don't work with clients straight on hypnotherapy, but I do use it in my master coaching programs that I do. And when we come to creating a vision, I will take people through a guided visualization. And the guided visualization that I do, just to give you an idea, because you could use this for yourself right now. I am a strong believer when we do a vision board, and this is what I do in my guided visualization, that especially if you are an entrepreneur or a business owner, that your life should be seen as one whole. So some people will do vision boards for their work and some people do vision boards for their life. Now with entrepreneurs, those two things are often very, very blended. By the way, I never use the term work-life balance. I talk about work-life blend. And these two things become a blend. So when we talk about your work-life blend and we do a guided visualization, I'm taking you through what does each side of that blend look like? So when you are creating your vision board, my friend, ask yourself on all aspects of your life, what are you looking to create and do they work and blend together? Now, part of the reason that I do a guided visualization is because when you are activating desire, and that's what it is, you are activating the desire of what we want, you use all of your senses all of your senses to create that. It's not just one thing, it's all of your senses. So I want you to think about it like that. Which leads me on to my next point with vision boards, which can be, I suppose, my biggest eye roll around it. The actual name confuses people. Vision board. Obviously vision, when we talk about vision and, and how we're saying like you're a visionary and your vision for the future, it is your concept of what you are trying to create. And I've seen vision boards that are just purely for your visual senses. 
So people create goals and dreams and vision boards and they're just for your eyes. You have so many other senses which are as powerful, if not more powerful, especially when combined together. So let me give you an example of how this would work. I want you to imagine now one goal that you dream of achieving next year. And what does it feel like to achieve that goal in your mind, body, and soul? What does the success of that goal smell like? Now, depending on the goal that you're trying to achieve right now, or going to achieve, I should say, is there a smell? What does it sound like? When you've achieved this goal, is it quiet? Are you on your own? Or are there people around you? Do you want to win an award? And if you want to win an award, is there cheering? What does your skin feel like? Whatever that goal that you're looking to achieve now, imagine that you've just achieved it. Is your skin warm? Is it cold? What are you wearing? Is there a taste in your mouth? Again, if you wanted to win an award and you might be at an award dinner, and that would be how you found out if you've won the award, you may have the taste of uh, adrenaline in your mouth because you're sat there and you're hearing the names. And you can feel that moment as you probably just hold your breath for a moment too long, waiting, waiting for the name to be said. And then it does. And what do you do? What does your skin feel like? What does it smell like? What does it sound like? Now, the answers you've just had around my questions, you're thinking about your vision of the future. And all of those things can appear on your board. And this is why, yes, it is a vision board in terms of your vision of the future, but it actually should be called a sensory board. Because those senses can help you trigger the feelings of success. And that's one of the things that should happen when we're looking at a vision board. So yes, we want it in our RIS. Yes, we want to do value tagging. But yes, we want your mind, body, and soul to understand what it feels like, that's the key here, when you've achieved that success. If you look at your vision board and just look at it, and it feels like numb, you can't feel like when you look at any one part of that, what it's going to feel like to when you've achieved it, your vision board is lacking impact. And it's one of the reasons when I do vision boards, it's a sensory board. So I created my own scent, the candle. Um, I have Thrive. It's called the Success Candle. It's always in my vision boards. I always put it on if I have clients doing visionary work. I've done it when I've done group hypnotherapy sessions, because that candle, that smell can instantly transport myself, which it does, and other people who've used it straight back to what it feels like to be successful. Mm. So think about your board. Is it just for your eyes or are you actually treating it like a scent board or a sensory board? And again, if there's, if you don't like candles, but there's some cologne or perfume that you love, then spritz it across your board. Because that smell can, again, trigger you back to what it feels like to be successful. Now, another area of vision boards where they are not maximized, let's say, is what we do post-creation. So if you create your vision board and then file it away and you don't see it regularly, you're not using it to its ultimate power. 
your vision board should be placed somewhere that you can see it regularly. Reminder here, sorry, that your IIS, yes, it's in there, but to kind of top it up and to make sure nothing else goes in there, you want to see your vision board regularly. So if you have an office, then I recommend placing your vision board behind your screens just above eye level so you look at it. It's better off if it's just over to one side, so it's always there if you look up, but you don't have to stare at it directly. And again, remember, if you have other associated items such as scents or crystals or noisemakers, I say noisemaker because I have a bell. Actually, I, just, I popped mine down here so I can, this is my bell. That's the bell. I'm, <laughs> see, I'm smiling at just doing that. That's my bell that goes with my vision board that I just brought down for the podcast. If you have anything like that, place that in the right position too. Now, other things to, to do with your vision boards. Take a picture of it, put it as a screensaver on your laptop or your desktop, have it as the lock screen or the background on your phone. By the way, here's another little tip for your um, kind of vision board if you're doing visioneering. One of the things that we do the most is unlock our phones. If you have anything like a number, if you do angel numbers and you can do anything like that with your phone, or you have any password or anything that you see on a regular basis, then create a password even for any of the systems that you use. Pick a word the next year that is in alignment with your vision board and use that as your password. So each time you unlock something, your mind is getting that little hit. And the last thing to do with vision boards is if you can, I want you to have it somewhere that you can look at it just before you go to sleep. And ideally it should not be on tech because I don't really want you picking up something with a blue light just before we go to sleep. Okay. Now, one of the missing ingredients when we come to the real secret of vision boarding, in essence, and I would say this is the real secret of vision boarding, is let's discuss the law of attraction for a moment. Because the law of attraction is one of the universal laws. And the missing ingredient when you talk about the law of attraction and we talk about vision boarding is what we call the law of inspired action. Yeah, that's right, people. Vision boarding is great. Vision boarding is awesome. I get my clients to do it. I do it myself. It's a game changer. And you know what else is a game changer? Taking inspired action. You can have faith in creating what you want to create, but also taking action makes it happen. Now, I, you might know this friend. I'm not a great gardener um, and I don't like weeds, which is why I have a gardener. However, just imagine now I want the weeds to disappear and I'm using the law of attraction. And I'm thinking about the weeds to disappear and I'm looking at the weeds to disappear and I'm manifesting the weeds to disappear and I'm dreaming of them disappearing. And I say, out weeds, out. You know, what happens? I open my eyes and they're probably still there staring at me. The quickest way to, is to take, to remove them is to take action, inspired action. Again, inspired action. That's the key here. This is why I say the real secret to vision boards is taking inspired action afterwards. If I keep going back to my weeds, when I said take action, you probably mean something really obvious, like remove the weeds with something, you know, relevant implement. But just let's say I, I do something that's not inspired action, but I go and put a, I don't know, this is how bad I am at gardening. I go and put a trowel next to the weeds. I've taken action, but it isn't going to actually do what I want to do. So my question that I want to ask you to end today is, is there something as you think of your vision board that if you took inspired action on, 
you would assist in bringing that vision to reality in a quicker time frame. Now, if you feel I can support you in creating your vision and your legacy for the future, I have two ways to support you right now. Firstly, it's a 90-minute on-demand session. And I'm going to say to you, let's you and me create your vision for 2022 and beyond. The second is a private accelerator day, in person or via Zoom. You also get 30 days of support afterwards, which can help take that inspired action to bring the vision to reality.